And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Podcast. How things? How's life? Well, good. Just fuck from the week's training. Yeah, so how's Camp going? Which is, I know he's had, I was uh, talking to Jordan Reynolds. He's in yeah. the as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he, he's been there for a couple of weeks now. Um, he's settling well. He's, he's very good talent. But uh, yeah, Camp's going good. Just usual boring crack. It's, it's just like being in lockdown, so yeah, not yeah, for much yeah. I've been doing camp for the last 10 weeks of it. And can I think we have to address the elephant in the room first, Tyrone? Can I, what was the, what's the crack of the hair? <laughs> um, I lost a bat with trouble color. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been doing a lot of bats with trouble color lately, lately and uh, I've lost most of them. So, Did you do your eyebrows? Yeah, my <laughs> eyebrows have just grew back. <laughs> and I had to shave half, I shaved like half my hair. I got that fixed, and then now I've got pink hair. So I'm starting to think I shouldn't bat with trouble color no more. What does the missus think of all this? To be honest, she's pretty used to it. She's yeah. not been to like, I turned up with pink hair, didn't even say a word. Didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> she's used to it at this point. Yeah. So Tyrone, come here, listen, can I appreciate you kind of taking the time to jump on with us. Um, can I, can I, our podcast, Fight Fit Show, can I, the goal of it is kind of bring on some of the best people in, in fighting and fitness, especially kind of Irish fighters and that. We've kind of had John and Paddy on before. I actually listened to your episode uh, the other day with, on Paddy's podcast, which was great. Um, but can I, yeah. can I kind of take us all back, anybody who doesn't know you, like who is, who is Tyrone McKenna? That's, that's a hard question. That's a hard first question to answer. Maybe reframe it to what does Tyrone McKenna do? Uh, he entertains people. I'm an entertainer. Nice. Um, yeah, obviously a professional boxer. Um, 21 wins, one loss. Um, I'm ranked in the top 15 in the world now. Um, and I'm going to beat O'Hara Davies up the next. Yeah, we, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that because that's the, the golden contract, the final coming up now. That's kind of the big... Yep. Yeah, class. But kind of before we kind of get into kind of where we are now, kind of what was it? What was it that got you in the box and kind of back in the day? Um, my brother, my brother's always been a wee hothead. So growing up, he's he's a year we're we're eleven months apart. So we always ran about together. And um, Irish twins. Always, yeah, so he always got in fights, always, and uh, he's always fighting people in the street. And then one day. I didn't even know, unbeknownst to me, he had picked this fight with this big crowd and, and we were walking to the shop and me and him could jump by about 10 or, 10 or 12 lads. And uh, my dad flipped out and he said, right, you just go in the fucking boxing club to, to learn how to, to fight properly and defend yourself properly. Um, so I went down to the boxing club, but I didn't really take boxing as a, as a, as serious, a serious sport. I uh, took it more of a, as I said, a winter sport. So I would I would go when, when days were cold, when it was freezing or raining outside, I'd go to the boxing gym. If it was sunny, I would go near the boxing gym. And then one day I had a fight lined up 
And my daddy said to me, look, I'm going to buy boxing boots for your, for your fight. It's cost me a week's wage. It was, it was like 90 quid for the boxing boots. He said, look, it's cost me a week's wage. So you better stick at this for, for a full year. No he bought me the boots. I said, right, fair enough. He bought me the boots. And I wanted to leave the boxing gym about 10 times that year. But I kept on saying himself, my daddy will kill me if I leave. So I stuck at it. And then by the end of the year, it turned out it was pretty good. And I, I, I stuck at it. And, and I'm here today. And what was your, what boxing club were you a member of when you started out? Um, Oliver Plunkett. Oliver Plunkett. Oliver Plunkett, the whole Armour Shooker. I'm not one of them guys that leaves. You hear kids leaving leaving club and starting another club 10 or 12 times in a career well I st- I'm loyal stuck to the one same as myself and I can uh, I hear there was a on the paddy cast there was a could have been a, a bit of a segue you could have had a completely different career altogether you know acting acting yeah. career um yeah I was obviously just stupid and foolish because acting career would have been far more simpler than, than a boxing career but uh they obviously had a, a, a major role in a, a, a feature film was out in the, all the cinemas in the UK and Ireland. And um, it done quite well. And then I got a big agent in London and America. And then Game of Thrones phoned me up one day and they said, look, we've got a part for you. Why don't you be in Game of Thrones? And I ended up, I had a, I said, right, okay, I'll, brilliant. I'll go to, I'll go to meet you. Because I wasn't even on an audition, I'd got the part late. And they said, right, meet me on Saturday. And um, I said, no problem. Then I hung up the phone, Tommy McCarver. He said, Saturday, sure, we're going to the Jay Z concert. And I fuck so are. I went, Jay Z concert, Game of Thrones, something I've never heard of in my life. Probably shit. So I went to the Jay Z concert, had a brilliant time, got drunk. Tommy McCarthy, what a great, great night. And I didn't go to the the meeting, and then it turned out Game of Thrones is fucking massive. <laughs> I should be in a yacht, drinking and having fun. No way. Um, and then can I, so we kind of once acting career wasn't a possibility anymore. Can you you were getting knuckled in the boxing? Can I, what was your amateur amateur career career like? I know you were a multiple time Irish champion. I and then you you were beat by Carl Frampton at one point. Yeah, well, amateur. I was like growing up. I was like a. I, well, I thought I was some sort of god. I thought I was, I was it. So I was winning everything. Like, I, I was so confident. I think, and I'm sure, particularly being like 11, 12, 13, 14, a lot of your success is being how confident you are. So I was the comp- most confident cocky kid in the world. So I jumped in the ring. I knew I was winning the fight. Um, so the first, from, from 11 to 17, I was, I was unbeatable. I was battering everyone. I was, there was competitions that I went, I didn't get touched, didn't get one point against me and stuff in all Ireland intermediates. So I had a really, really good amateur career under age. But then when I got to 17 and I started chasing girls and drinking and being a, being a, being a normal teenager, I guess, mm-hmm. um, things things took a, a, a downward spiral quickly. So uh, obviously I, I got beat by that's when it happened. When I got beat by Carl Frampton, I just said fuck it. I'm uh, gonna be a normal teenager. Um, I was missing out on everything, like absolutely. And when you're a kid, you think it's the end of the world. You just, oh, I need to go ahead and go out and wait. You don't realize it. It's, it's shit. It's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed myself. Sammy retired from boxing, didn't take it seriously anyway. I just turned up the championships on fit and, and overweight and stuff. And uh, then I car and then retired from boxing. And uh, I thought, fuck, that's me. That's me packed it in. But, uh, what was that fight with, with Carl? Was that in the seniors, I assume, then, was it? Yeah, it was a, I don't think it was the semi-finals of the, the Irish seniors. The one, I think it was his last, his last Irish seniors he, he entered. He beat uh, David Oliver Joyce in the final. It was an unbelievable final. Yeah, um, one of the best amateur fights you've ever watched. If anyone hasn't seen it, Google Carl Frampton versus uh, uh, David Joyce. David Oliver Joyce. Well, yeah, unbelievable fight. Um, I don't know how he beat me as well because I was torn over him. I must have been, literally, you know what says Carl Frampton is and what says I am. Yeah. So there's pictures, you want to see some of the pictures. I'm a fucking jet and he's up to my knee. And I, I don't know how the fuck he beat me. <laughs> what was that at? What? What weight was it at? In your amateur? What, what weight were you fighting as, as an amateur? 57 kilo, I think it was. Seven. So, couldn't be done. A little bit since then. What? You filled out a little bit since then. Yeah, I know. I used to be a stick and bone. And I'm still skinny now, but fucking nowhere near that I used to be. And then, kind of, what you kind of, so you finish up the box, and then, um, kind of, all your mates and all, because there's a huge kind of boxing culture up there in Belfast, especially in, in West Belfast. Um, yeah. kind of, you, you know, a lot of people in the in the boxing world. Um, and kind of, was you seen them kind of being successful, and that's kind of what made you kind of want to get back into it. Yeah, just because I knew that it was, I was when I retired, well, when I started partying and chasing the girls, as I said, and not taking boxing seriously. I think I gave up too easily. Like, I would put my car front and then I just said, it, oh, it's me. I was off the Irish team then and I just said, you know what, I was just not going over in boxing. And I think, and my, 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 Tommy McCarthy and, and Trum McCullough were, were my good mates at the time and are still are. And uh, they didn't give up. They got beat that year as well, but they didn't give up. They kept on going going. And then they eventually ended up senior champions and, and going around the world still and I was, I was sitting there going why the fuck did I give up why did I stop on it so I said right I felt it was too late to go back in the amateur I said to myself let's, let's go pro so I think I was drunk one night messaging all sorts of, of managers over in, uh, over in America and one of them got back there and I got talking to him and, and they said look come over here we've got a place for you and stuff like that um so I said, right, fuck it, I'm moving to America, I'm going to turn pro. And but about three months before I ended up going over to America, or two months maybe, uh, my girlfriend at the time, we, we, she got pregnant, but we, had a, we got pregnant together. And uh, uh, fuck, I put a halt in, 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 in the plans, but I said, right, I've already paid for everything. I pay for the flights, the accommodation and stuff. I may as well go over and have one pro fight and then come home. What's it done? I went over, had my pro fight, had a great time for three months, came back home and said, right, fucking retiring again. Second time retiring. And uh, I got a job. I said, fucking, I'll need to prepare for my kid and I'm a missus. So I, go, I went and got a job. I got a job as a call in a call center. And um. It was the most depressing, I mean, the most depressing job in the world. 
I hate it. I was selling British gas, British gas insurance, several. And I couldn't, I, I hate talking, I don't like talking on the phone as it is. Mm. So I was talking on the phone every day. You want to buy a British gas? I was killing me. And then one day out of blue, Ray Ginley, a professional boxer at the time, he phoned me and said, Here, my financial backers are looking to, to back you and I'm uh, going to Philadelphia. He, he wants me to go to Philadelphia and he wants you to go as well. And I was like, fuck. And then he phoned me during work and said, here, do you want to go to this? I'm going to book this fight now. I said, fucking right. Mid-shift, took off my earphones and I uh, walked out of the shift. I didn't look back. Unbelievable. And obviously, that's what, what took me to where I am now. And then, kind of, what, how did things kind of play out then once you went over to, over to Philadelphia then for the second time? Philly was lethal. It was just, like, the training was unbelievable and invaluable. It's sparring. I mean, it was sparring world-class fighters uh, on the daily. But you got a fight, and then four months later, you wouldn't have a fight. Like, I had five fights or four fights in two years over there. So... It just wasn't wasn't enough, and it wasn't enough to provide for for missing and stuff. And then after two years, the financial backer was giving me monthly wage went bankrupt, and that put a halt on everything. He was he was financing the house and stuff and, and flights and, and whatever. So we just had to go right fuck it. That's we're gonna have to go home. So I got a a man my mate here was a manager Mark Kinley, so he signed me. Um, he started, yeah, to be fair, he done a good job. He, he started giving me regular fights. I mean, I think in in seven months, eight months, I had four fights. And I started going, right, that's what, this isn't bad. I mean, America was good, but it wasn't regular fights. Back home, there is regular fights. There, was a, there wasn't any money. Like, it wasn't getting paid well or nothing. But um, Annie got me a, a good sponsor. It was giving me monthly wage as well. So I was, I was keeping me afloat. And then before Christmas, one year, uh, the the financial backer just said, look, I, I want to leave it. I, I don't want to sponsor you no more. So I said, fuck, I can't mm-hmm. box no more. I'm going to have to retire. Because at, at that stage, I had two kids. Yeah. I said, I'm going to retire here. Because um, I said, it's, it's going nowhere. Um, and, and Mark Gennady said, right, look, Andy Kerr looking sparring partner for Diane Matthews against his, his world title fit um, against Terry Flanagan. And they're, obviously they're looking sparring partners. You can go over to the MTK Marbella and hopefully impress. And, and if you impress, you can maybe get signed by them. And I'll let you go, no problem, because he's a good mate of mine. And uh, I said, right, I don't have any money. It's I looked at the flights. Flights were like fucking 350 quid. Uh, and then food and all over there. So I was like, again, I spent the last bin on Christmas, I have zero money, nothing coming in. And he said, look, this is a big chance. So I said, fuck it. I went and sold my Xbox, I sold my Xbox games, I sold jewellery that I had. I sold, I don't know, anything that I could sell in the house I sold. Yeah. And I went over to, to Marbella, got the, got the money for flights, got money for, for food, went over. Didn't even have sparring gear. Like, I, I, I had to go around, borrow like, gloves off Jamie Conlon and head guard off another boxer and, and whatnot. Got got the boxing gear, jumped in, all MDK surrounded, watching me and I went, fuck me, I better spar good here. Everything was on the line. It, pro- it felt like a fight. It was a proper pressure. And uh, 
that's far unbelievable. And there and then I got saved. And one week of Marbe turned into seven weeks of Marbe. At three fights lined up, and my career started started to look like it was going to go somewhere. And do you think kind of your time over in America um, kind of played a role in obviously kind of America has a slightly different culture around boxing. It's kind of is kind of very professionally oriented. I'm sure even especially in Philadelphia, um, mm. you think that's something that kind of really stood to you then kind of got you ready for for the experience over in Marbella? Yeah, hundred percent. Like Philly is tough, tough man. Like even the the people that aren't professional in, in Philly in the clubs are 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 good boxers. They're tough, tough men. And it'll give anyone a good spar. Um, I was sparring Ray Robinson regularly, who who fought Josh Kelly. I was sparring Jerome Ennis. Food, he's, he's unbelievable. Like he he was only a kid. I remember when I was in the gym. I was going around. I was in. I was with Tim Tim Lurchman was my coach, and uh, we were going around gyms getting sparring. And we went to this this gym out in West Philly, and uh. They were like, here, do you want to spar this kid? He's, he's only 16. He hadn't had much fights. He's only had two, two amateur fights. And I thought, fuck me. He's going to get battered here. Jumped in. I couldn't lay a glove in the cup. He was fucking lethal. He was just going, boom, boom, boom. We'd done four rounds. And he's like, here, I want to do another four. I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I was bollocks. I went, like, well, who the fuck is this kid? He's only two fights. But his daddy is the coach. And he won't let him fight. He wouldn't let him fight until he started doing well in school. So he only had two fights, but he'd been in the gym since he was fucking six years old. His brother's all boxed. Jerome Ennis is going to be a superstar. But, uh, Jerome Ellis. Part... What? Jerome Ellis? Jerome Ellis, huh? Yeah, it's classic. I'll have a look and look him up. Ah, he's frightening. He's, he's called Boots, is his nickname. But uh, uh, he's, I saw sparring him every day. Learning so much, and then his, his dad's an unbelievable coach. He's he's not one of the coaches who says, "Ah, oh, get in and, and fight." He wants you to hit and not get hit, and uh, he really instilled that in me. And I'm always a guy that fights whatever the coach says, whatever way the coach says, and whatever the way the coach trains you. So with him, I was just boxing and boxing, boxing, moving, and then obviously I changed. Went with Danny Vaughn. He was more. He likes to get you involved more, so changed to his style, and now. Pete Taylor's trying to get me back to just boxing and, and moving because I'm six foot one. Should be yeah. getting the worse. <laughs> yeah, so you got a nice long leaver, nice, uh, nice kind of long kind of southpaw style. I think you uh, kind of mentioned the comparison to kind of put the likes of Paul Williams um, in the other. Yeah, he's a fan, but I'm a big fan of him. But uh, Paul Williams they didn't really use his reach either. He he got stuck in and just charged forward and, and went for it. That's why I love him. He's, he's He's a very exciting fighter. But uh couple of great fights with Martinez. Yeah, they're unbelievable. But don't think it should fight like him because because I'm I'm too tall and I can I can be rangy if I want, but something just clicks in my head. Even someone punches me. Something just clicks in my mind. I go, fuck this, I love a war and I just go fuck it, I'm going for it. Even in sparring. I sparring the other day yesterday, a club mate, and he hit me and I started waving him up. He said to me after, what the fuck are you doing? Like, we're, we're, we're club mates. I said, I don't even know. Once I get hit a big shot, I just say, fuck it. And it's like an auto- automatic thing. As soon as I get punched, I go, whoa, whoa. And I just want to get in the war. I think that's to do with Philly as well. Philly is very, like, you have to you have to be in wars. You have to, like, 
if another club comes to a Philly club, there's big pressure on you to batter this 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 club that's coming. Everyone's crowded around the ring, battering the ring and, and shouting shit in. So uh you're still the to have beef and, and, and go for it. Yeah, kinda of being be involved in kinda of entertaining fights. Yeah. And that's my thing when I turned professional, it wasn't oh, I wanna be the best that's ever came out of Ireland or or running like that. I know I'm not an unbelievable boxer. Like I'll never be the absolute best to come out of Ireland, but I believe it can be the most entertaining to come out of Ireland. And that's my big thing when I turned pro. I said, look, I'm a, I'm a professional boxer, but I'm also a fan of the sport. And I don't turn on the, the boxing to watch someone run run away for 12 rounds and, and throw a few jaws and a few left hands and, and bore everyone. I turn on the boxing fit to see blood and got some war and, and non-stop action. So when I jump in the ring, I want to, to give people what I want to see because they deserve They pay the money. And, and it is an entertainment business. Then it's not like if you're not entertaining, you're going nowhere. There's there's unbelievable boxes out there. They're going nowhere because no one cares about them. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like you can be the best boxer in the world, but if you can't sell tickets, it's best luck trying to make a career out of it. Yeah. And who do you think? Who do you think is, or even kind of all time? Who do you think is your who's your favorite fighter of all time? Flash. Even top three. Michael. Well, people that I would watch loads is. Is Michael Nunn always tall Southpaw people? So Michael Nunn, Paul Williams, Andy mm-hmm. Lee—they're probably the three people who would watch the most. Class. And have you ever done any training around? Obviously, he's got his own week kind of pro stable now. He's got a couple of good kids: young Paddy Donovan, uh, Jason Quigley. I've, I've sparred, sparred Paddy Donovan in the last camp. Um, I, I see, I see Andy Lee about all the time. He's a gentleman. Um, I live actually right beside him down in Dublin at the minute. I know where. But uh, I've never trained him at all. But he's one of my favorite fighters to, to watch back in the day. Yeah, class. I remember you going to the Olympics? The kind of the was they was the December man in the Olympics, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that's the first time I'd ever heard of him going to the Olympics. It wasn't, and he was only on the Winter Olympics that year, wasn't he? Yeah. And he done brilliant, uh, and he was he like I think he got a silver medal on the world, so wasn't. I don't think, yeah, I was not sure was it was it the Olympics or the World War? It could have been both, I think. No, no, I don't think he got a medal in the Olympics, but he got a silver in the world to qualify for the Olympics, and, and I was all unheard of in amateurs yeah. back then until amateur system started getting going. But I mean, from what I heard, no, I never watched the amateurs except for the Olympics. From what I heard in the amateurs, he was on a label. I know, and then remember that was it that that uh, lead hook that knocked your man out. Was it what was the name? Barry Thomas or something like that? Or Jackson wasn't it? Jackson, Ju- Julian Jackson was it? Uh his dad's oh. a killer, but yeah, like he was he was rocked all over the place. Yeah, I don't know where he pulled that right hook from, but it was fucking a peach. Yeah. I've watched that about hundred times. That fucking thing. Yeah. And can I take us back then to, uh, so you're over in Mumbai, you kind of have to make all these sacrifices to, to get yourself over there. You spar really well against the Derry Matthews um, and kind of the sign job. Kind of where, where, what happened next? Just, um, I don't know, it just started getting me regular fights. Um, but, and it kept on getting bigger and bigger. And then obviously they got me on TV 
defeat Sean Cray for the Celtic title. And I think from then, that kind of builds up. It started getting my reputation a bit higher, a bit higher. Um, and then I got, I suppose, to fight Tommy Coyle. And that fell through, he, uh, he got injured. So I had to fight Ronald Greedo. It was also an exciting fight. And then from that, Anthony Upton. So it started just creeping up bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I was supposed to fight Phil Sutcliffe. I think this is where my career really took out mm-hmm. up a level. When I was supposed to fight Phil Sutcliffe and he was in a, a terrible motorbike accident. And uh, <laughs> the replacement turns out to be fucking a, a 10 times harder fight. And it was Jack Ketterl. And uh, that's some fucking replacement. Yeah. But, uh, but, he, he beat O'Hara Davies, one of your upcoming opponents there as well. And he yeah, has so, a shot coming up soon, does he? Uh, yeah, well, he's trying to get it where, yeah, hopefully. He deserves one, anyway. But, uh, yeah, so he stepped in. And I, I was, everyone had wrote me off from the start, like, oh, from McKenna's getting that bitch straight away. He's, he's just the mouthpiece and all the shit. He, he actually can't back it up and stuff. And I think in that fight, I showed a calm back it up, and I'm not just a mouthpiece. And, and I had a, a 10 round war with, with Jack Kettle, a very exciting fight. Um, and I got beat by a bad point like I, against a guy that's world ranked number one. Like he had dropped me twice. And for me to, to get beat by one point, I gained a lot of fans. And I think I, I sent Matt my, my name in the UK and Ireland. As a, a serious contender, yeah. Like, what was what was the experience like? Oh, kind of training over in Marbella. Like, obviously, because uh, we had John on before as well. He's over there, kind of training with uh, MTK Marbella, and it kind of seems like a, a pretty sweet life. Um, uh, I'm sure you were kind of surrounded as well by kind of you know world class athletes as well. Kind of what was the setup over there like? Like, what was the day in the life? Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I think me and John. No, I was I was a few months before John and John came over and joined their team, but. It's just so fucking easy to do everything. Like, see, eating healthy out there as well. Like, it's so sunny. You don't even want greasy food. You don't want cans of coke or nothing like that. Just, it's easy to drink loads of water and eat, and eat healthy and then get up in the morning. It's sunny, so you go a jog. And it's just a nice life and, and an easy way to train because, because it's enjoyable. Um, but it's a, I thought I was, I was a bit too far away from from the kids and stuff. Um, if I went out there, obviously it was a three-hour flight and I'm still not making good money at this stage. So I couldn't really get a hop on a flight and go home and see my kids for the weekend and go back out. So when I was there, I was there for the eight, eight nine, ten weeks. Um, so it was hard to be away from the kids and away from the missus. But uh, as you say, you get world-class talent surrounded. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders was, was often over. Um, Tyson Fury was there, Jono, me, Paddy, obviously Paddy Barnes was in the team and, and Jimmy Connell and stuff. Mick was over. There's, there was always talent coming over to spar and stuff and, and it was great. But uh, as I say, it was, it was a bit too far. And enjoy my time there, but I'm glad I'm not there no more. Yeah. I know you're training training with uh, Pete Taylor and he's assembling a kind of a nice few stable of fighters now at the minute as well. Can I, what's that experience like? I love it. It's exactly like the Irish high performance team so I mean when I first went down there was like 12 boxers and I was like does he have enough room to, to be training 12 boxers because yeah. um, obviously 
normally in professional, obviously amateur, there was always loads, loads of people. But in professional, I always saw there's three, four, five pros, and they that was your your limit. And then I went moved down to him. There's twelve pros already there. So me and Tron joined. I was fourteen. I went. There's fucking too many people here. This is going to be metal. But Pete Taylor's so dedicated and so organized. Like he organizes the week's training on a Saturday and a Sunday on his weekend. All day he'll he'll spend all weekend he'll spend creating the week ahead. And um, I think he makes it work because he is so dedicated. Um, you get as, as much time as you as you need, as you as you want. Uh, one on one, and and the way he controls everything, you 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 learn a lot with Peter. I think Peter is an unbelievable coach, and having all that squad, it's it's good to bounce off each other, and it feels good. And it's kind of like the high performance team again, where everyone's having a crack and you're enjoying training. You're not, you're still learning loads, and you're getting great sparring there as well. So yeah, I love it. Kind of drive me to the run. And it's an hour and a half from a from a kid. So every weekend I get to go home, see my kids, it breaks up camp. Normally camp feels like forever because you're just in the same place for 10 weeks. You're not going home. Uh, the weekend's boring because you're not training. But now, Monday to Friday, I train flat out. Then I come home on the weekend and it's great. Awesome. And Kenny, so kind of for anyone who doesn't know, kind of what's the, what is the life like for a professional fighter in terms of, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know you're training twice a day, nutrition, strength and conditioning, sparring, conditioning, all that mm-hmm. fun stuff. Well, I always say, see, the early career, I was, I was a, a serious master when it came to nutrition, when it came to the training and stuff. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think I just done it because it didn't want to work. Yeah. So I didn't really. I not that I didn't believe it was going to get anywhere, but at the start, I just thought, "Fuck it, I'm going to win my fights anyway. I'm fighting journeyman. Didn't really take training or, or nutrition serious and just." Fucked about. I mean, there's fights that the American guy had. I was late middle bit, but uh, once, once I started getting on TV, I started taking it serious more. Serious. Once I got same BMT, yeah, I said right, fuck it. This is my big chance. Let's put the head down. Let's let's uh make a go of it and see where we can get. But professional boxing and training is just a tough, tough way of life. Like it's twenty four seven. All the sports. You can knock off and, and and enjoy your day, but in boxing, you're you're dieting twenty four seven. You're training, you're resting, you're recovering. I mean, it's constant. You're getting up in the morning, your body's absolutely aching, and you know you have to go to fucking training again to, to put your pet self through more and more pain. And your your hands are hurting, but you have to go and punch a fucking bag. It doesn't matter. You have to put it in the session because you know at the end of it you're going to be fighting in a fucking war for for ten rounds. Um, so it's very tough and it's but the glory at the end of the, the after the the camp, the absolute hell camp where you want to leave boxing about thirty times during camp. Once you get to the, the fate week and the fate and then you win a fate, you win a very close fate and the feeling you have is irreplaceable. So it makes everything worth it. You just forget about how shit camp is until the next camp. And so what's like what's the, so what's a day a day in camp like so can you off can what time do you get up back and what's the first session? Um, see, I try and make it a proper routine. So I'd get up at eight o'clock, eight in the morning every morning, even the weekends and stuff. Just trying to get myself in the routine. 
Um, even my first my first sessions at eleven o'clock, I don't need to be up eight. So I get up at eight. I have my I have a, a nutritionist, so he tells me what I would eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. So I have my breakfast fueled for for the training session at eleven. Um, usually when when it's not COVID nineteen, uh, would go to the gym. Would do like a bag session, pod session, sparring session, something like that. Um, at eleven o'clock, and then would have an hour break in between them would do their second session, which which would be either strength and conditioning or running track session, which I fucking hate. Yeah. But uh, we'd do that five times a week, and then we'd go home at the weekend, and we'd do one session on a Saturday, and then that's me. But tough, tough life, I fucking wouldn't waste it on, on my, my kids to be a boxer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. that's something, something you kind of hear from a lot of fighters. Like, you know, there the, so a lot of people looking kind of are mad to get their kids into it. And other people are like, no, there's, uh, it's, it's not, a, not a good, like, I'm going to send them to football. I, or think, I think it's the toughest sport. Toughest sport that you don't get paid well for. Like, like at the start of most, 90% of boxers' careers, for the first four years, you don't make money. So I, I didn't make a the only money I made was sponsorship, monthly sponsorship. But if I didn't have that, I made no money. I fought for free a few times. So yeah. to put in absolutely two sessions a day every day, dad all day, be going through pain, having to, to fork out for, for shorts, for nutrition, for, for S&C coaches, for your coach, for, for traveling and everything, you, you have to absolutely love the sport in the first yeah. four years or, or you're going... You're gonna retire. You have to. You can't half-heartedly be in boxing. You have to be full into it, and you have to absolutely fucking love it because you're not gonna be making money from it until you hopefully get a break. Yeah, exactly. It's only like the only the the kind of what the top ten percent as you said, like they're they make making pretty pretty good money. But when you're starting out, kind of you're right heavily on, on sponsors, yeah. uh, family. And it's, it's such a jump, like one like you'll be making zero money for for, for four years, and then bang, one day you're, you're making decent money and then it just starts going up and up and up every fight. Um, so, I mean, I've been, I think, pro seven years and I've only started to make money the last two years. And yeah. I'm, I'm only making really good money the last year. So, it's just, you just have to believe in yourself and have the the belief that you're going to, you're going to get somewhere and you're going to, you're going to start making money. Yeah, and kind of now, obviously, kind of the the, the big the big uh, golden contract uh, come up in the final, um, and that's kind of go, hopefully going to be the, kind of the, the ticket to the high life. I'm sure, uh, kind of six. From from uh, even from as amateur, I was going with my girlfriend. She was paying for everything because obviously amateur you can't you don't have a job and you're not getting paid. You're getting five. I got five grand a year from amateur, so you're not getting much money. So she was just paying for absolutely fucking everything from, from my 17 years old. Um, and the hope that I'll get somewhere and I was always promising, don't worry, I'll make it. I'll, I'll get I'll get money, I'll get money, I'll get money. And then she had one baby and then she had two babies and she's like, when the fuck's this money coming? <laughs> nah, she's paying for the house, she's paying for the food, she's paying for everything and I'm, I'm bringing nothing in. So you, you just live in hope. And uh I kept on saying, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And thankfully, the golden contracts came where when I win this, it's going to, everything, all that shit that we went through is going to be worth it. It's going to validate everything that, that I put her through. <laughs> yeah, 
Because Jesse, you've made, you've made a huge amount of sacrifices to kind of get where you are today. 100%. I think everyone, most people will have to in boxing made a lot of sacrifices. And I think the people not willing to make a sacrifice are the people that aren't going to get nowhere. So, but finally, it's going, it's going to be worth it. I, I was always, not dirt myself, but I was like, is it, am I going to get what I'm saying to her? <laughs> this is going to work out. Yeah. Well, is it going to work out? But now, thankfully, I think it, it is working out. It's just, it's finally come, come to fruition. Yeah. So kind of the, the plan is, kind of next fight is going to be uh, Mohara Davies, kind of someone you've had a little bit of a, a, a grudge with for a long time now. Um, yeah. So what is the, like, what, any, obviously with everyone going on lockdown, COVID, all this fun stuff, like, what's the crack? Is it, is it going to be the, the not-too-distant future? Or is there any kind of award or any updates, anything like that? Well, it was supposed to be 24th or 26th or something of this month. I should be boxing in, in two weeks' time. It's fucking ruined my summer. But uh, they've said a few, a few, they've said a, like they haven't said a date, but they've said like maybe maybe August, maybe September. So that's why I'm done in camp now. I've, I've said fucking I, I may as well get ready. Uh, like I'm fighting because I let myself go in, in this lockdown and put on on lockdown weight, and I started getting really unfit. So I said fucking. I don't want in the spring, spring something on me say, oh, you're fighting in six weeks or seven weeks. So I said, fuck it, I'll go down. Go down and start getting getting into decent shape. So they're saying August, they're saying maybe September. Um, But it could be anything. I, I really don't know. It could be that, fucking... Like, are they talking, like, are we talking kind of boxing behind closed doors or are they hoping kind of it's going to be like a, like a regular event? So I'm sure obviously that kind of stuff will massively impact ticket sales and all that kind of thing. Yeah, see... They're saying it could be closed doors, but I don't know if I want closed doors, you know, because do my head in, like, I love, like, I'm a, a fighter of fights with the fans, like, if the fans go mental, I go mental, and, and if, say, I'm hurt, uh, the fans spur me on to, to dig deep and stuff like that, so I don't know if I'd like the, uh, the fight without fans there, but Pete Taylor wants me to fight without fans. Yanks. Yeah. In sport, in sport, I'm a completely different fighter. Like I, I don't, cause there's no crowd there. I don't listen to no one. I just, I do box instructions and I don't care. But once there's fucking a thousand people there screaming, I just get in the fucking wars. So he's like, fuck here, maybe it'll be a good thing if you fail closed doors. But we'll see. I don't know. See what happens. And I remember, can um, you touched on it in the, in the other podcast a little bit about kind of working with um, kind of Jerry Hussey as well. And kind of he's someone that kind of I really like. I follow him on Instagram as well. And I went to to a couple of his events um, in the Wellfest and things like that. Um, mm. And I talked a little bit about kind of self belief and this kind of stuff. And I know we kind of gave you a little bit of advice in terms of used to have um, like we rituals and stuff before fights. Like what was yeah. it like with him? And just kind of what do you think? Like the whole kind of mindset. Of a fighter, you know, because I feel like uh, really when I was when I was younger, obviously he was on the Irish, he was the Irish mental strength coach, and um, I was 17, 18, 19 while, while he was there, and I just didn't believe in that stuff. Well, not that I didn't believe in it, I was already doing everything that he was saying, like without knowing that you should do it. I was already doing like mentally thinking about the fates and and. and the way rituals that he was saying he was doing and, and, and having belief in yourself, I always had that anyway. As I said, I was a very cocky kid, so I always believed in myself, I always believed that I was going to win. So 
I don't really, I really neglected having him. I, I didn't, didn't ask enough questions and, and, and dive even deeper when I should have. But uh, now I, I really believe in it. I have a new mental strength coach, uh, Kevin Young. And I think it's a big, big factor. I think you need, you need that kind of thing, that kind of setup. Obviously, when you start out, you can't really afford to get all these nutritionists and and metal strength coaches and stuff. But when when you're getting up up levels, you need you need every inch you've got and every every one percent, as I say. And I think metal strength coaches is is vital. Um, and Jerry Hussey was was probably one of the best. Um, in Ireland, he's he, the stuff that he did do and that I did pay attention to is still still do to this day. Some of those rituals, so um, yeah, I think I think it's very fatal. But I've, everyone's saying, oh, I've read the book of the secret, and they're starting to think, oh, they're doing this and that, and it's it's all happening. But I believe you have you have to be born with a certain mindset where you believe in stuff. You, I know I may come, but if you read a book. And you just read a book and that's want to start working for you. It's not, it doesn't work like that. You have to fully believe in yourself and believe that uh, good things will happen. Yeah, because one of my kind of things about the, the book The Secret, and I kind of do be kind of on that kind of that kind of wavelength, you know, kind of law of attraction, all that kind of fun stuff, you know. But it's mm-hmm. like you can't you can't just talk about it. You have to back it up with action. You have to do something. You have to put a little bit of sweat into it, a little bit of effort. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, if I believe I'm going to win a world title, I can't just sit here and fully believing, go fucking going. You have to put in the, the action as you say, you have to work your balls off and believe in yourself. But I believe that uh you can't say that you believe in yourself and not feel it. You have to fucking it's a mindset, it's a proper mindset and, and you have to fully trust yourself and fully believe in yourself or it won't happen, it won't work. Yeah. And I actually love it because that's actually the first time I've heard of it kind of being described like that, a mental strength coach, which I think is really, really cool. And I think that's something that a lot of people nowadays are maybe missing. Um, yeah. Just kind of having the tools, the tactics, kind of, or even kind of having their mental workouts, um, you know, to kind yeah, of. I wasn't fully sold on it. Even like, last year, I, it was the first time I got, he, he got in contact with me. He said, look, you need a, a mental strength coach now to do it. And I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that just says yes to everything. So, He's like, you do, you do. I was like, right, fuck it. I was like, I send the truck on fuck's sake. I have this metal strength coach every, every couple of days now. I'm going to really regret this, but it turned out I fucking loved it. And I think it's invaluable and it's unbelievable. And even fair week, like, your man be racing just thinking about fighting. And like, as I've described before, is say you get in, in a fight in school at, at break time. And they say, right, I want to fight you after school. And you, you're sitting there all day just thinking, I have to fucking fight after school. All butterflies and nerves you have. You have that for a full fucking week in boxing. So, uh, yes, when he came on board, fight week, he would just phone me every day. We would go through routines and, and visualizations and stuff. And, and it really relaxes. It takes your mind off things, puts you at ease. And uh, it's fatal, I think, on fight week. It, it's really really helps you yeah and kind of what would you say like what are they like could you give it and say anyone tips so obviously kind of what you describe is like you know kind of pre-fight anxiety or kind of obviously pre-fight nerves mm-hmm. kind of more when we're kind of projecting ourselves a little bit into the future what like what what are the tools that the guys um, recommend doing to, how do you how do you deal with that there's just uh he does like like uh 
you wouldn't you don't even talk on it like he he just phones you and it would take about 15 minutes he would just go through like lie you've the lie down close your eyes and he would he'd make you it would take your mind off the feet and, and put your mind on your body and uh, how you feel and make you really really relaxed and then he would make you visualize like say going into a cinema there's one once one time was going into cinema and you see yourself on the screen you're you're happy why are you happy and, and what's making you happy and, and what are you fighting for and stuff like that and, and reasserting yourself and telling you what you're fighting for and as for like say your family or security or whatever and uh he just says about like visualizing you lifting the belt or you you fighting in front of your fans unbelievable and stuff like that and it just really fucking relaxes you and gets you motivated and, and stuff like that but there's stuff that Jerry Hussey still do like he always said, breathe in bluer and breathe out redder and that right before a fight, you have serious nerves. But if you start visualizing you're breathing in bluer and breathing out redder, it takes you it takes your mind away from the fight because you're visual, trying to visualize stuff and it, it really calms you and stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of different tricks and different stuff to do, but you're not metal. And I sort of, yeah, because I, I kind of think that kind of obviously boxing or kind of any combat sport in general is like a really, really good way to kind of to uh, to build build mental strength in general. Like, you know, as I said, I'm sure it's from, from from a very young age, you said you got into boxing, or you start about eight or nine years of age, I assume, when you start a boxing, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so from eight years of age, you know, kind of trying to learn how to, um, you know, how to deal with that kind of anxiety. Because I know kind of a lot of people today mm-hmm. suffer with anxiety and this kind of stuff, but I feel like anybody who's ever had a boxing match or instead of fight after school, mm-hmm. that's a different level of anxiety. So like you're yeah, trying to yourself how to how to deal with these things so that when say like something like a, a commonplace incident might take place that most people would get anxious or nervous about for, for, for anyone who's been in the fight game, it's 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 like it's water like water off a duck's back. There's, it doesn't really feel like much because yeah. you're battling these these really kind of big bouts of, of, of anxiety. Well, there's nothing worse than pre fight nerves they could unmatchable uh the anxiety and the, the nerves you have are insane like i know most boxers sit in the change room and they'd be saying themselves why the fuck am i going out here and fighting like, i just want to leave and go home and that'll happen like, that happens all often for most boxers um you just have to learn to deal with them i mean every boxer feels the same before they go out to fight but it's who deals with it the best yeah is, and you kind of touched on there when you said, kind of, when you're younger, like how important it is. Can I just got I feel kind of when, it, especially in that them them early days, like say like say boy one, boy two, boy three, kind of when you're just kicking off, you know, kind of confidence, as you said, is like yeah. is one of the most important things. The kids that have the confidence and you know, and then once they kind of get the streak going, now they're Irish champion boy one. It's like usually they're champion boy two, boy three, boy four because they got off at a good start. And then yeah. see if you jump in the ring and you're confident, it's so hard to beat a person that's a hundred percent confident in themselves. Um, and that's always the way I was. I was just so, so fucking confident. And the people that I was fighting, then after a while, they all started knowing my name. So they were shitting themselves going in and they were not coming at all. I was so confident. I was going out and stopping most kids because they didn't have the confidence. And I, th- I, th- I think confidence is one of the main things in uh, boxing. Mm-hmm. And still, like even when you're, when you're professional, confidence is one of the key things. If you don't believe you're going to win, you're not going to fucking win. That's simple as that. Yeah, so important. Any any athlete, anyone playing the sport, like you need to have confidence because if, if you're second guessing yourself, you have a lot of self doubt. 
you know, can you're you're in your head instead of in your body. You know, since so you're mm-hmm. kind of overthinking things a little bit too much up here, so you just gotta kind of let it go and kind of go with the flow, as I say. Now, if you if you go out, you're confident and you enjoy yourself. If you're enjoying going out and fading, you, you, it's gonna be so easy. Like it's even there. Like if people are nervous going out, they're gonna burn out. Uh, fitness, their fitness is gonna even if you're trained your belly stuff. If you're too nervous, you're by the second round you're gonna be fucked. You're gonna be blown out of your hole because. Because you're you're up tight and spend you just have that confidence to go as you say, go with flow. Yeah. And cool, so um it's kinda next off then. So we got this big fight coming up. Um can you're still 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 in training camp right now, kinda of getting ready. Um you know, so if anybody kinda of wants to kinda of keep in touch with you, kinda of follow up, kinda of what's the best place for, for them to kinda of follow you? Uh Instagram was Tyrone underscore Mick underscore Kenna or you can just type in the Mighty Kelt and it comes up. But, uh, yep, that's the best place to follow me and watch me dye my hair, shave my eyebrows, and do stupid shit, mostly. Yeah, no, because you definitely just said the story. You definitely kind of are uh, an entertainer uh, as well as a fighter. Yeah, that's what that's. I'm on this earth to entertain people. Show, you, show me a camera and I'll entertain you. That's, that's yeah. the model. Well, listen, Tyrone. Listen, really, really appreciate you taking the time to to, to come out. Can I'll be I'll be keep keeping an eye on you. Kind of looking forward to, to, to this big fight kicking off. Um, and listen, uh, hopefully we will get you on on at some point again in the future. Um, after you get that win, you get that golden contract, and just be kind of bigger and better things coming your way. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasant. Yeah, no, you're very welcome, Tyrone. Listen, we'll have a great day, man, and I'll talk to you again soon.